everyone. Um, thank you for tuning in to this episode of U.S. and Biden. Um, thank you all for joining and thank you for listening. And yeah, let's get started. And on today's episode, we have, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Sophia Baum. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, and I'm actually a, a recent graduate of Oregon State University with degrees in business administration and sustainability. Um, I grew up in Junction City, Oregon, so in the Willamette Valley, currently live in Corvallis, and uh, I'm soon to uh, move on to my next adventure. Uh, yeah, so I'm passionate about a lot of things, uh, chiefly among them include cooking, outdoor adventure, uh, social justice, food security initiatives, immersive programs and experiential learning. Um, environmental justice, emotional intelligence, and healing. I have a, I have a, I know a little bit about a lot of things, um, and so I, I, I enjoy uh, delving into a wide variety of kind of what life has to offer. And yeah, do you want to share a fun fact about yourself today? Yeah, yeah. So my fun fact is uh, I have traveled to Palau, which is a, an island nation in the Micronesian region in the Pacific. Um, I and I've snorkeled in Jellyfish Lake before, which is a, a phenomenal experience. It was like a dream. Um, and in Jellyfish Lake, if you decide to look it up, uh, it, you could look up Jellyfish Lake in Palau. They have Medusa jellyfish, so they're they're fairly large. Um, this beautiful like peach and pink color, and they actually don't sting because they do not have any predators, so they lost their ability to sting. That's why you can swim there. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, my fun fact is that I make art, I like to sketch, I like to make pins, and also like to sing and dance, and mm-hmm. uh, just get creative in the art, in the arts. A quote that you would like to share today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my quote is something uh, that, it's usually my go-to quote, it's actually something that my dad says, he always goes, action, adventure, and comedy, no drama. So uh, it's not to say that like things don't happen in life, but it's to say like, yeah, like with the perspective and the way that everyone walks through life or the way that we walk through life as a family in particular, um, that uh, yeah, like, like let's like enjoy life, let's be present, let's be vivacious and fun and, and uh, appreciate the time and energy that we have. Yeah, I like that, thank you, yeah. Um, and then uh, the quote I would like to share is I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change I am changing the things I cannot accept um, by Angela Davis and I really like this quote um, resonating with just social justice um, and I think that it's has a momentum of allowing um, personally allowing me to be reminded of why it's important for people to speak up on things that they believe in or just um, social justice and how there's a lot of people in this currently wanting to make changes um, injustices. And so yeah, that's why I like that quote. And yeah, on today's episode, um, we're gonna talk about spiritual wealth, healing, framework, tools for healing, individual needs, accessing our own power, vulnerability, emotions, and emotional intelligence. And so go ahead. Do you want to start the conversation, Sophia? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll share a little bit about myself and um, why this is such a strong interest area of mine. 
Um, I think I think I've been very fortunate uh, to meet people, um, specifically like friends of mine, like peers of mine, um, that are very like powerful people among, among others, right? Like I, I've I've had a very a lot of very interesting opportunities where I've met people that are catalysts for their communities, that are community leaders, that are healers, that are mentors, that are all of these things. Um, and I think that one thing that I'm finding uh, that they all have in common, that we all have in common as, do, as we're doing this work in, in a healing profession or, or in a um, social justice oriented profession or whatever it might be is, is spiritual wealth. And so spiritual wealth is a concept that I've been working on um, and it actually came out of quarantine, having to be by myself, which I didn't realize was such a big issue uh, until I did have to be by myself. And, and honestly getting hit fairly hard with some pretty, um, pretty hard life, event, life events, you know, and, and things happen. Uh, whether it might be like sick, like sickness or an illness within our families or, or financial instability or um, loss of uh, loss of someone, death, right? Like things happen. And, and I think where I'm at um, and what I'm searching for is I'm searching for ways to be present and I'm searching for ways to heal and I'm searching for ways uh, to ground myself. And so, and, I, and it's not to say that hardships will never happen, right? And it's not to say that what, I, what I'm actually searching for is happiness. I'm not actually searching for happiness. I'm searching for peace. And, I, and, I, and I'm wanting to find and build for myself and possibly build a, a career out of to myself and the people around me and, and my loved ones and people that honestly want to work with me, people that are, that are committed to their own healing, that are committed, um, that have buy-in. Um, of, of how we can let kind of pain or hardships pass through our body, how we can figure out ways to hook ourselves back to the ground, to bring, to bring ourselves present. Um, and what really we want out of life. And, and, and it's not to say that, that the idea that I have or the framework that I may develop is going to be the answer for everything. That's not it. Right. I know that. And I know that in a few years from now that I'm going to be like, man, like I learned so much since then. And that's great. That's what the purpose of life is um, among many things. Right. But uh, for me, what I'm figuring out is, is, is how valuable emotional intelligence is, how valuable being present is, how valuable time and energy is and how these things are not taught to us. They're really not. And um, I would be very, very fortunate if I could Build some type, build something, build some type of initiative, build some type of project, build some type of career out of um, teaching, honestly, like life skills, like things that we need to know for the rest of our life, things that, things that will um, help us, like, I guess, secure security, whether it's financial or emotional or um, familial or uh, platonic, like, like just be secure in our relationships, be secure in the things that we have in our life, be secure financially, that is a huge one. Um, be able to identify um, what's actually going on, being able to like step back uh, and really evaluate situations, allow our initial reaction to pass through our body, whatever it might be, right? Grief, anger, sadness, explode. Like I, I'm very hot-headed, I'm a very hot-headed person, whether it's like explosive, 
explosive um, energy, whatever it might be, and, and figure out like how can we reorient ourselves um, if we do have uh, events <laughs> that kind of line up back to back as I have had in my life um, or that happen simultaneously. They're like, wow, this is really hard. I don't know how I got stuck in this situation. Um, this is a lot. I'm very overwhelmed. I have a lot of extreme stressors on me. What, what can we do really to um, bring ourselves back? Um, so, so that's what I'm interested in. I would say for, and, and, also, and also Jasmine, please jump in and ask me any questions at any time because I could go on for a minute. Um, but uh, I, I think what I'm interested in as a, I would categorize myself as, a, as an ambitiously curious person uh, is interdisciplinary ways to, to, to secure that security, whatever it might be, um, to heal ourselves and uh, to positively impact the people around us and to build our capacity for altruism. Um, and I'm gonna go off on that a little bit uh, with, the, with building our capacity for altruism. And so I've actually been very, very curious about what fuels all of these systematic issues that we're, that we're seeing and that we have been seeing, whether it's like the prison industrial complex, whether it's food insecurity, whether it's racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, all, all of these things, all the nastiness. What really fuels that is, is intergenerational trauma, is cycles of violence, is like <laughs> the single narrative is not being able to communicate to each other. Also, I think that our, our media, our social media does a phenomenal job at putting everyone in a sympathetic state. So it puts us in flight, fight, or uh, freeze. Um, honestly, for, and I'm a business student as well, or I was a business student, I guess I'm a business professional now, um, but, but really for monetary gain so that things can, so that they could get more views, so that they could sell more advertising time. Like I, I, I really am very interested in figuring out what ways can we socially, as a culture, as a family, as an individual, on, on so many scales, what ways can we really back up and be like, what's going on here? What, what are we actually seeing? How can we reference, and I also referencing history is so important. How can we reference history? How are, how are, these, psych, how are these cyclical things? How are these cyclical things of, of systematic oppression, of racism, right? All those isms that, we, that, that I previously referenced um, among more. Um, and so what I'm really, really finding is, is that the people that I know that are spiritually wealthy are the people that I know that are spiritually wealthy that have passed on. Um, they had a very strong sense of self. They had a very, or have, they have a very strong groundedness. Um, and even when really tough things happen to them, uh, a lot of that, right? I guess some of the worst things that can happen to us is death, that they actually take the time and energy and, and renegotiate their relationship with death. Because death, I think, is a huge piece of it. And I really think that it's, it's a part of the natural cycle. It's a part of being alive is that when we pass on, cross over, whatever your belief system might be, um, that, that, that that's the end. And so knowing that there is this like inevitable death and it, and it often is painted as very, very scary and very uh, something to avoid and very violent. And, and it, and it
Like I'm very interested in, in, in searching more with religious tools or Buddhism or, or I guess like spiritual wealth, but whatever you might call it, I'm like how can we reframe death to be more present in the now? You know what I mean? Like how can, how can we accept it as a part of the natural systems? And also accepting and recognizing that we are a part of the natural systems. As much as humans try to disassociate ourselves from nature, we are really a part of the natural systems. We, we are nature, nature is us. And so how could, when we have strength for self, when we have spiritual wealth, how could we hurt ourselves anymore? We can't because we're spiritually wealthy. We don't want to be in pain anymore. And that's why I'm, I'm not saying I'm spiritually wealthy, but where I'm at in my life is I'm not interested in being in pain anymore. Like I really need to figure out, I'm 23, like I really, I'm really like, I can figure out tools and avenues, right, so what pain to pass through my body. I can really figure out how to renegotiate my relationship with death. I can really figure out what my purpose is um, because I'm intentionally taking the time to do so and because I'm ambitiously curious about all of these things. Um, yeah, and so I'm going to stop there. I'm going to ask any questions that come up. Uh, again, right, I could go on for a long time, but, but I want to stop there and see, see what you think. Yeah, I just want to um, kick off that conversation that was just said, spiritual welfare, and um, I think you were talking about how sometimes people, you know, commonality in life to face adver- adversity and like facing challenges and facing hardships, facing times where um, you kind of have to step back and reflect on your blessings, um, reflect on your strengths, encourage your strengths. Um, and yeah, I personally also want to talk about how the... Um, you're talking about how commonality of um being um you know kind of trying to resonate more with yourself and i briefly wanted to touch upon and say is how it's important to have these conversations it's important to be more aware it is um how is this current generation combating these terms or bringing more awareness to these terms um mm-hmm can we start creating more ways that this generation or the youth can learn about um learn about the things that you don't learn in the education system Mm -hmm. is it by making apps on phones that are mental health awareness or hey get to know yourself more um Mm -hmm. because it is important for people to understand that it's important how you talk to yourself it's important when you're taking time for yourself to remind yourself how how are you treating yourself today? How are you taking care of yourself today? How are you doing self-care today? How are you uh, interacting with yourself in a way where you are appreciating yourself and not furthermore criticizing yourself? Um, mm-hmm. Like, oh, I should be, you know? Like, how are, how are that momentum of how are you being self-awareness and how are you um, talking to yourself? What conversations are you further holding yourself accountable to further help yourself in your um, healing or just your general um, mental health? And mm-hmm. I do want to highlight, highlight an emphasis vulnerability um, that um, mm-hmm. I myself am also a mental health um, advocate and I think vulnerability is a beautiful thing um, and yeah that all the emotions are valid and I think this generation needs to continue to destigmatize how mental health looks like and understand that it's okay to um, it's okay for both genders or whatever gender that you want to talk about or it's okay for just an individual in general to mm-hmm. feel the need to explore their mental health, um, mental health awareness. And yeah, I think um, my question was to you, how do you think this generation can continue to be 
catalysts or just continue to create these conversations and continue to um, hold spaces of accessing what these these components and concepts mean. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, and, and I, and right, and like anyone, I, I'm open. If anyone wants to follow up with me and be like, I don't believe what you're saying, or like, you need to explain more, or like, this is what I think. Like, I, I very much so encourage that because I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for um, a broader perspective. So if I, so, so what I say, I will try, I, I will give that the context before I say what I say. Um, but I think that we're waking up. What I mean by that is I think that uh, for one, our generation and the generation um, ap- the generations after us are experiencing some pretty extreme things that um, and that's not to say that the the people that have come before us have not, but we're experiencing a lot of things in a very um, intense way, like the way that they're being the way that they're being sold to us or the way that they're being um, informed to us or, or um, Given, given to us through, through media, through social media, through uh, TV, um, all, all of these ways, uh, they're very heavy. They're very, very dense, as they should be. These are some very dense issues that we're dealing with right now. Um, and I think that everyone is kind of just waking up, which is so exciting. Because once people, it, 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 because once people wake up, then like, once we identify the problem, right? Then we got to do something about it. And, and whatever problem it might be, it literally might be um, something like, like mental health awareness, suicidal ideation. It could also be sexual violence. It could also be um, just cycles of violence in general, climate change, climate justice, uh, in, like redlining. Like it could be all of these things that we're identifying. We're identifying that these are, these are really big issues. It's not to say that people are, have not been identifying them. A lot of work has already been done. A lot of phenomenal work has already been done and that is being continued to do. I think that what our generation um, has an opportunity to do is like, no shit, y'all. We really have an opportunity to break intergenerational trauma and to break cycles of violence for ourselves and for our family. That is a huge, that is a huge thing because we liberate ourselves and we liberate our families. I shit you not, Jasmine, like this is gonna be the first, the first of many fully liberated families. And what I mean by that is that, is that people can get past their trauma. And if they're committed, right? If they're committed, if they want to, because you cannot force anyone to do anything. But if they're committed and they're like, man, I don't want to be in pain anymore. This is something I've been dealing with years. Uh, This is something I've been pushing down for years and I can't do it anymore. It's exhausting. It's so exhausting. And I think that also another thing that, that, that we're finding with people that are, that are younger is more, um, Terminology is being spread around, more information about like the LGBTQ plus community, more information about like race and racism, more information about inequities across the board is being spread around as they should be and as they should continue to be is that people are waking up. People are like, mm, there's some stuff that's like not right here. And I don't, I don't want to continue living like this. I don't want to continue participating in the system. At least that's where I'm at. I'm like, I don't want to, I'm done. Like I'm really done. Um, playing these games. And, and for myself, what I found uh, is, that, is that it's very, very frustrating 
when people in positions of power uh, never experience the things uh, that they're making decisions on, such as like healthcare, such as like, what, like welfare, such as living wages, such as um, all of these things, like food. Yeah, stuff, all these yeah I agree. Yeah. And, and so with, with interdisciplinary approaches, with interdisciplinary knowledge, uh, we're just going to continue waking people up. We're going to continue stopping cycles of violence. We're going to continue um, breaking intergenerational trauma because I really, and it doesn't mean that we forget, right? It doesn't mean that we forget. It means that we're breaking cycles of violence and we can move forward instead of continuing them. Like like abusive households, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's or the behavior. Yeah, or like our fellow... Um, our fellow black community and the gen- intergenerational trauma that they psychologically might have mm-hmm. from their previous ways of um, being treated, as most of you all know how um, history has been treating our um, fellow lovely black community. And it's mm-hmm. understanding that we need to understand that the bitter, tr- the bitter truths of history and understand that these these problems or these situations have occurred and um you kind of talked about how in spaces that um um how people that do not identify with the 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 groups of people that are being affected are making decisions on these things that are for these um uh communities or identities and I think that's also important to have more conversations um, whether that be higher ed education Mm -hmm. community work Mm -hmm. governing Mm -hmm. or um, even in businesses I myself have been scrolling through social media and there's a lot of um, internet outlets where it's black at NYU black at Harvard black at Nike black at uh, um, you know, just various various universities and companies are, are trying to make these movements of waves of um, amplifying our Black communities and their representation. And then there's actually some that I've read where fellow Black testimonies are being, they're speaking up on the way that they're being treated or they're not being heard at these businesses or these schools or these companies, these you know, higher ed, and I think that that's just evidence, further claim and further support of the intergenerational trauma and how this generation needs to sit down and be like, hey, mm. this hap- this is happening. You can't mm. say it's not happening. You mm-hmm. can't say that the black the black community it's, it's not it's not new. The BML movement is. Mm-hmm being more normalized but this isn't anything new this isn't anything that um you know it's it's happening it's I think that um I did want to talk about mental health yeah topic and how that might look like in cultures because I myself identify as Mexican Mm -hmm. and and I know that in lots of cult lots of POC cultures um but I do want to talk on behalf of um, my culture that it's not really normal to have like I you know have parents or grandparents or uncles and aunts or family members talk mm-hmm. about mental health or mm-hmm. be open be vulnerable to talk about your mental health um, 
your mental health, your, your own awareness of the self or mm-hmm. having conversations. Um, and I think with social media just being kind of the norm or just social media being, hey, like, you know, the first iPhone came out in 2007. Before that, people were reading, uh, were more using computers but now now that this generation you have a phone in your hand and that's like the norm you know like how how are social how is social media being used how as a tool or how is it not being used or how can it be used or how can we further advocate for that mm-hmm. help understand um i'm referring to the mental health topic um mm-hmm. maybe can can we continue to um, develop structures to help further um, have cultural cultures uh, teach their parents about hey hey ha, maybe like asking simple questions to your parents like hey have you ever thought about hey mom hey dad hey etc xyz um, have you ever talked about I've never heard you talk about mental health why is that or you know like how can we help destigmatize that mental health um destigmatize and be more vulnerable about mental health awareness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and maybe can this generation make new terms in the mental Mm -hmm. health awareness Mm -hmm. but that was just my that was what I was thinking as you were speaking Mm-hmm. And that also, I want to talk about emotional intelligence and self-awareness, motivation, empathy, self-regulation, social skills, mm-hmm. and make how that might look like in the mental health awareness. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to understand that um, empathy, empathy is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, our emotions is what um, sets us apart from machines. Yeah. Humans. Uh, have the capability of feeling emotions and just your social skills your self-awareness of the self or the mental um, mental state of your mind Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah my question to you is do you think that this generation or how do you think social media can be further um, used as a tool to combat these concepts or these um, these terms mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so um well I'm gonna be honest honestly I'm not a big social media person I I've tried it I um used to have Instagram deleted Instagram because it would make me feel really bad about myself and that is not to blame anyone else that was like stuff I had going on with me um, I engage a little bit on Facebook, not a ton, uh, for myself. Um, I text people a lot. I like call people. I love spending time with people. I love one-on-one interactions. I love conversations like this. This is like my bread and butter. Um, I'm just not, and have never had a huge desire to fully engage with social media. Um, I think that some of the things I think that some of the things, uh, I think social media is great. I think that it, it, it provides a lot of awareness. It provides a lot of different perspectives and it uh, provides a lot of um, 
just just avenues to find out more about topics to find out more about things i think that one thing that social media does not do a lot of the time um and, and i could be wrong right and i am definitely wrong in a lot of different instances but i think that social media um can do a better job at providing solutions at providing educational resources at providing continued continued education or um or uh engagement opportunities and i know that when we were in school right because we're uh at my um, previous student bureau you're still enrolled in osu was that there was a lot of opportunities for us to have these conversations because they were facilitated by student leaders or they were facilitated by uh, administrators or, or pro staff um, specifically around these issues that well, for one like not everyone gets that at every single higher ed institution and in a lot of people that don't attend higher ed or they um, do other types of secondary education trade school community college whatever it might be these might not be their focal areas and so a, a huge piece too is like that we are um, with this awareness of like systematic issues, I'm, I'm just gonna speak for myself. It's taken me five plus years and I still have so much more to learn about these issues. It kind of rocks your world when you're like, whoa, hold up, like the everything that I learned in K through 12 was like only one version or only one side of the story. It wasn't everything, it wasn't, it wasn't an honest and accurate history. It wasn't a comprehensive history. I didn't learn about my own histories or the people around me's histories or other communities of color histories or other communities just period or the um, united states history and yeah like, of the history. yeah yeah like Oregon being founded as a white supremacist state yeah, like that's yeah. like that's some shit that i didn't learn until college and i was angry i yeah. was so angry that i hadn't learned all of this history because i felt like it was it made so much sense you know, like what, what, like growing up in growing. So, so I'm multiracial. I'm Mexican American and Jewish, and um, and like gr growing up in Oregon in a rural Oregon community, uh, there was a lot of benefits, but there was also a lot of like, like a, an extreme amount of like, like just anti-Semitism, racism, sexism that I would deal with like a lot, like daily <laughs> going to school here and so it put me in a very defensive state and so when I was a kid I was so angry and and I think that that's also an issue that we have like that adults have I don't know that this is a very broad statement but I think that that's that's a, um, a misinterpretation of the situation I'll say that I think it's a misinterpretation of the situation when teenagers are reacting to the environment or adolescents are reacting to the environment in which they're put in because of all of these issues. And they don't understand why, because it's, it's an attack on their character, it's an attack on their worldview, or it's an attack on their identities, or vice versa. Other people feel threatened by their identities, other feel, people feel threatened by their, their, their worldview, or, um, or whatever it might be. I think that that anger is, is very, uh, I, I thought that it was um, appropriate for the situations. For myself, I used anger and defense and this kind of like tough <laughs> I'm not even that big of a person but kind of like this tough exterior to uh defend myself and my family because it, it felt like it was constantly being under attack and um being being moved out of that situation going to a higher ed institution going um just like leaving leaving my hometown like it really opened up my world and it, and, and like and for and for people out there that are still in that like it, it, or that, that may be still in positions or, or feeling a little bit stuck or feel like they're searching for more opportunities, like I really encourage you to do so because that's really what it's about. It's really 
or it's life, whatever you want to call it. But what I'm finding is that those are opportunities for growth. Like those are opportunities for some really deep learning. Not only do you get to reinvent yourself a little bit, you get to determine how, how the rest of your path is going to go. And you can constantly be changing that. It, it is important, I think, with social media or otherwise, um, because social media is hard to have a dialogue. Um, but with social media or otherwise, I think that it's very, very important to recognize that people are very complex. And that a lot of what we're seeing, these behaviors, this, this, these hate crimes, this hate speech, sorry, I just swallowed weird. These hate crimes or this hate speech um, or this, this like nationalism or whatever, my elitism, whatever we're seeing, um, two things. It's, man, and it's hard to, it's hard to see when you're in the moment because it, and, and it really does take quite a bit of time. And I'm not saying that I'm good at it, right? Because I'm, again, super hot-headed. I don't do well if uh, someone is disrespecting me or my boundaries. Um, or, or the people that I love, their boundaries, um, or attacking them. That's not something that I enjoy at all, ever. Um, uh, but, but that people are very complex, and a lot of these behaviors, a lot of these nasty behaviors that we see lashing out in those forms of hate, white supremacy, sexism, like whatever, in these forms of hate, those are really deep-rooted problems. It's important to recognize people are very, very complex. These are very, very deep-rooted problems. Deep-rooted problems that are probably tied to their childhood. And when you look and when you, when you examine those behaviors, I'm not saying that I'm a clinical, clinical psychologist. I should also disclaim that. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm just, th these are things that I've observed. These are things that I'm learning. Um, uh, but when you examine those behaviors, um, that they're, they're, they're very much so deep-rooted in right, intergenerational trauma, in cycles of violence, whatever it may be, and however frequent it may have been, you, you can see those things. Those behaviors usually come out of people that are emotionally stunted. Something happened to them. And when I, the reason why I say that is because like, I, I'm very interested in not doing, I'm very interested in, in working with people that are, that are committed to their healing to build their capacity for altruism. And to, to stop this shit, like can't keep participating in these systems because not only are we hurting ourselves, but we're hurting everyone around us. And when we recognize that we're all connected and it's not to say that color, like I'm not, I'm not preaching colored blindness. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is every life is connected. We're all connected to some, whatever religion you may believe in or, or the listeners may believe in, we're all connected to some higher being. We're all just different parts of awareness. Everyone is on their own timeline. Everyone is on their own journey. You can choose to interact with them or not. But when things do happen to you, uncomfortable things, and they're perpetrated by someone that's emotionally stunted, like in, in as weird as it sounds, like really this is not about, it, and it sounds fucked up and I'm gonna explain, but it's really not about you, it's about them. They're really suffering. They're in a lot of pain and they don't know how to, they don't know what to do about it. Do you understand what I mean? Like, like in, in lashing out or feeling big and bad or feeling like you can dominate or feeling like you could control or feeling like you could make someone t like intimidated or fearful. If we really back out of fear and being like, I see what's going on. Like you might be calling me like, uh, you might be calling me whatever, some nasty name, some nasty derogatory name, but where is that really coming from from you? Why are you doing that? What's going on with you? Because if it, because you cannot tell me something, uh, Yanla Van Zandt, uh, Van Zandt says this, she says, you cannot tell me something 
um, about myself that isn't true. So if you call me like, if you call me like a bitch, and I'll be like, yeah, like I'm a bad bitch, but I'm not a bitch. Like you, like you know what I mean? <laughs> like or like like the c word. Like I hate the c word. Someone calls me a c word, I'll probably pop off. Yeah. But, but you cannot tell me something about myself that isn't true. And so I'm not going to give you the power. I'm not going to give you the pleasure to to degrade me because I know who the fuck I am. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I know who I am because I've been through experiences because I've been doing my work because I've been healing myself because I've been breaking cycles of violence because I've been, because I've been curious. You know what I mean? Because of this because you are healing yourself and I think the quote is always be kind for everybody is fighting a battle that you know nothing of and I think you talking about that understanding that putting that in maybe like uh racism Mm -hmm. racism is taught but so is having empathy and fighting for equity is also taught and so if somebody's calling me something or trying to bring me down or trying to um call me out on racist you know racial in a racial aspect it's you're telling me something that you know like um I think it's understanding that it's important to continue to, hey, how can this generation continue to advocate for empathy or advocate for a culture of caring instead of a culture of degrading or mm-hmm. a culture of, oh, this, this, um, this category A is better than this category B. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, like, um, but that can be in politics if you, I don't know, but um, you want to tie that to that um, kind of diagram. But, you know, I I was kind of ag- agreeing with what you were saying and like, understanding that this generation being vulnerable. Yeah, mm-hmm. like people, COVID-19, people are in houses and not from personal experience but what if there's a what if there's a house where both the parents might not be too too caring for their child and then that child is stuck with those parents and the household and you know like people have this pandemic has had people sit down with themselves and Mm -hmm bringing themselves and having to run through their emotions and healing and I think that it's important for I am a strong love is great right I am a strong advocate that the love is greater and I have a blog site that I just turned into a online site Uh, yeah I think just continuing to move with empathy and understanding that it's okay to um the what there's a james baldwin quote it's okay to not agree with my i can't remember how exactly it's worded but i kind of want to rephrase what i was trying to say it's it's okay to not have the same political views or not not agree with me but if you're going against my own health or self or trying to degrade myself or trying to bring me down trying to bring me down because of my I don't know uh skin color or Mm -hmm. how I look like then that's you know like 
understanding that individuals what is going on with that individual Mm -hmm. um and how um for example like take two kids one of them grew in a household maybe faced some trauma maybe faced some violence grew up with no but their parents barely being at home no support lack of empathy Mm -hmm. take another kid grew up with love, grew up with support, grew up with encouragement, grew up with always having family at the root of their back, always having family to count on, always having necessities or just empathy shown to them. Mm -hmm. Understanding that, hey, maybe this child is acting out a certain way because they're still healing their childhood wounds Mm -hmm. or maybe this this child just didn't this child maybe this is just kind of to like put like a you know like a um, example like maybe this child basically raised themselves and so like they're not really aware of like you know and I think that it's that's where I want to bring in empathy like understanding that being able to hold spaces and being able for this generation to understand educate ourselves so we can educate Mm -hmm. our parents or educate Mm -hmm. our future families or future generations to come Mm -hmm. and yeah I think I just wanted to add that on what you were saying yeah 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 and it's not to say right that those things um when people are nasty to us that they don't hurt yeah they hurt right they hurt really bad um but we get to decide for how long and how much power that's going to have over us, right? And, um, right, those are, another, those are some of those other things. When I talk about really allowing pain to pass through your body, that's a big thing. And it's, it's strange. And I know that, like, a, a, lot, a lot of us have a lot of stuff, right? And not only do we have our own stuff, but we have our parents and we have our grandparents and we have our siblings and... Um, our loved ones, right? The people that we care about, we have their stuff too. Um, and, and specifically with emotional intelligence, and I hear what you're saying too about, um, and, and, I'll be, and I'll be open and being like, yeah, like I've gone to therapy. It was, it really helped me. Like for real, it really helped me. And I learned a lot. I was able to get through a lot of stuff. And it wasn't that it wasn't that uh, I couldn't do it myself, right? Because as a, as a teenager, I had had different ups and downs with depression and, um, you know, isolation, suicidal ideation. And, and the reason why I say it like that is because the more and more I hear is that these are not uncommon things. These are actually fairly common things. And that uh, I had pulled myself out previously, right, as a teenager. I had gone into a slump when I was a student at OSU that I could not pull myself out of any longer. It was too deep. And so asking for help and submitting to that process of healing for myself, submitting to that process of um, being like, I don't know what to do. I don't have the skills. I don't have the tools. I don't have the knowledge. Um, and also being, uh, being privileged to have healthcare. Healthcare is such a big thing. Having access to mental health support is such a big thing. And also 
being, and, and, and the reason why I say that, that these are such big things is because there's a lot of obstacles in our way um, in between where we're at and where we want to be and where we're at in our place of healing and where we're at and where we ideally want to uh, engage with life, you know? And um, we can figure out ways to get through those obstacles. Some of them are hard and we're just going to have to like figure it out when we're, when it's time or figure it out uh, when, when we can secure the financial means too. Or, and, and, and that's not to say that we put a hold on our mental health. That's not what it is at all. It's that you find different avenues that are affordable. You write, you sing, you dance, you do creative outlets, you talk to people, you seek, um, you seek uh, uh, console with, with religion. You figure out what works best for you. I'm not here to tell you what works best for you. I don't know. I have never lived your experience. Or not, not necessarily you, Jasmine, but just like the everyone. You, you. Yeah, you, yeah. you plural, not you singular. Mm-hmm. And, um, right. That is, that is for us to figure out for ourselves and as difficult as it is, as, as high as the stakes might seem. Right. And as big as that dam might be, it is when we do allow ourselves to emote, when we do allow ourselves to allow pain to pass through our body, like it is honestly the high, the highest stakes that do happen is we're going to cry. We're going to cry really loud and our chest is going to hurt and we might yell and we might be crying for a long time. But when we come out of it, we've allowed, I shit you not, Jasmine, it's amazing. We've allowed pain to pass through our body in whatever way we know how. And, and our eyes are swollen and our head hurts, but we got through it. And that's like the biggest thing is like submitting and allowing ourselves to emote, allowing ourselves to cry, and then being able, when it's, when it's done, when we've been able to recover a little bit, and it doesn't mean that this is a one and done, these are continuous things, right? Then we can uh, really start figuring out solutions, really start figuring out, okay, what works best for me? How can I uh, get myself out of the situation? Who can I ask for help? How can I get help? Who do I need to inform? Right. And, the, and, and I know that I'm talking very broadly here, but I really do think that the, the allowing ourselves to cry openly um, and that also requires, right, getting past those like cultural norms, getting past those expectations, a lot of times gender expectations, especially for our, our masculine folks. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal, but I promise you. Like, or I can't, I shouldn't say that. I can't promise anyone anything. But um, I will tell you from my experience that for me, being able to, to um, pursue my own mental health, being able to openly, and I, when I was going to therapy, I didn't like tell anyone because I was very embarrassed. I was super ashamed. And now that I'm on the other side, I literally tell, like, I'm like, go to therapy. And if therapy doesn't work for you, if you're not finding the right therapist, if it's like very expensive, then like you can pursue that if you want, you can find, you can, you can find a different therapist. You can figure out how to do a payment plan. Like you can figure these things out and you should also be pursuing other outlets for yourself. Right. Um, and that therapists are there to guide, but really you're responsible for your own healing. Really you're responsible for your own experience and what you take out of it. Um, and 
and, and like, it's up to you, I guess, just to reiterate, like, it's really up to you. It's up to you how much, uh, <laughs> it sounds strange, but like how much you want to continue going forward with what you're doing. If it's working for you, great. If there's no need to change, great. But if there are some things you're like, man, like even, even from like body dysmorphia or even from like our relationship with food, our relationship with sleep, our relationship with caffeine, our relationship with other people and all of these things, like you, you can decide. And like, I, I, and I think that that's my whole thing is I'm very much so like you decide, let's give you the tools to figure out where you want to go, where you want to be, and how you can access that, that peace within yourself, that presentness, that groundedness, and start applying those to your life like today, like how, how you can start finding relief today, because our minds are very powerful. And, and I just encourage people to like, the more you know, like the more you can make informed decisions, the more, and, and you know, like we have intuition and we have that gut feeling for a reason. Like, you know what you need and you know when you need help and you know when you cannot do this on your own any longer, right? Um, but, but yeah, like just there, there are resources out there um, for emotional intelligence specifically. Uh, the School of Life, it's a YouTube channel, is a phenomenal channel. I wish that I would have had that when I was younger, um, but they talk about a lot of stuff. They, talk, they do talk about like intergenerational trauma. They talk about like our inner child and things that have happened, parenting, love, all these. They talk about a lot of different stuff. Um, I think Iyanla Van Zant is a phenomenal just person in general. She's like a life coach. She, she has her own TV show on Oprah, or I don't know if she still has her own TV show, but she, at one point she did, it was called Iyanla Fix My Life. And you literally watch her. I swear, Jasmine, it's phenomenal. You watch her working with people and she just breaks. She goes around and breaks cycles of violence. That's what she does. That's her profession. And it's phenomenal. She's like a healer to such, to such a powerful extent. Um, yeah, I, I think they uh, start journaling. I think journaling is great um, in whichever language you choose. If, if, and if you want to mix languages, that's phenomenal too. Um, and, and really like finding time to be by yourself. That's a huge thing. <laughs> um, because then we can get some clarity on things, right? Uh, and then we can, then we can start being like, okay, yeah, I need to figure that out. And I'm going to choose how I'm going to figure it out. Right. Okay. And, and, um, I, can't, I, get, I feel like I'm just dropping little pieces of advice. But uh, I think that a big thing, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to open it up back to you. Um, but I think that a huge thing, too, is that there's no rush. Like, it's okay. And ultimately, and I, for myself included, and I've also seen other people, like, they're doing good, they're doing good, they're doing good, they're doing good, they're working on themselves, they're healing, they're doing really good. And then they, something happens, right? They have a breakdown. Uh, some big life event happens that of, of course it's going to happen because we're not only going to exponentially go up and, and we're also no longer chasing what's on the other side. Like we're being, we're choosing to be present. We're choosing to know that we are working on themselves ourselves 
at, at, the, at the pace that we want, at the pace that's appropriate, a pace that we need. And that exponentially, like exponentially we're going up, like we may dip a little bit or maybe twice or a few times or maybe go down and then go back up. But exponentially we, we're going up if we are committed to this process. Um, and, and that that doesn't speak ill of you, of your character, that's honestly just life. That's just what, it just happens, shit just happens. And it is very unfortunate and it is very, very painful. And a lot of times like pretty bad things happen to really good people. Um, and that not only will you get through it, but now you'll have reference. Now you'll have perspective. Now you'll have tools. Now you'll have mentors and mentees. You have like, now you have a little bit, a little bit of, um, tools in your toolkit to help you get through the next thing. And I think that one of the things with spiritual wealth in particular is that it doesn't, it, 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 there's no way that it could ever promise ultimate peace or ultimate um, free from suffering or anything because that's, it's just not realistic. Shit will always happen. Hardships will always happen. Our worlds will always be rocked. It just depends on the timing and when it happens and who it happens to unfortunately, and we can prepare ourselves more so to allow that pain to pass through our body, to be present, to appreciate moments when they're really very, very, very sweet, which most moments are, um, to uh, acknowledge and really engage with the preciousness of time and energy, and, and to appreciate what we have. Uh, and and when, we have, when we start doing our on healing this is also the last thing i'm going to say i'm sorry i keep i keep no, going you're good. No, but you're good. um like, but uh, <laughs> but um i think that once we start doing our own work this is for myself i'm speaking for myself when i started doing my own work um i was really like figuring out that it could always be worse you know like she could always be worse. It could always, always, always be worse. Yeah, like if you have a roof over your head, then there you go. You don't have to mm. worry about having basic needs. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't, and it doesn't, and it doesn't demean or diminish or invalidate what you're dealing with, right? Because what what it, what it, what is important to you is important to you. That's it, that's it, and it could always be worse. You know, yeah. um, and, and so really, like, really, like, I, like, I, I really, 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 really think that with giving people tools, with intentionally, with being intentional, with being honest, with breaking cycles of violence, with uh, breaking intergenerational trauma, um, that we can achieve and work towards and be present in, in these moments to appreciate what we really have, to appreciate the people that we really have to be spiritually wealthy in order to, in a strange sense, in order to prepare for our death. Not saying that, oh my gosh, like I need to prepare for my death, but it's like, no, like I know that when I, I'm living so hard, I'm living so intentionally right now, so honestly, that I know that when I die, for one, I, this is just a personal thing, I wanna like start meditating so that I could put myself in a like, kind of like a meditative like flow state so that when it happens, I'll be like relaxed. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. That's just a goal. <laughs> but, but, um, 
I, I know that when I'm on my deathbed or whatever might happen, that I made people feel good. I tried, I did my best, you know, that I really worked on myself, that I re really took advantage of the time and energy that I had um, the in the time with people that I had. Um, and that I, I, I don't leave anything unresolved. I don't leave anything with regret. And, and not only for my personal life, am I, am I preparing for my, <laughs> for my inevitable death? But I, I actually think of death quite often in a, and it sounds strange and gruesome and it sounds gross, but I think that thinking of death actually is one tool that we can use to like pull us back down um, and to be present. Um, yeah, but, but that, that's my, like, that's my spiel. That's what, that's my thing that I'm on, uh, right now. Um, because I, I've been searching for things. I've been searching for professions and, um, I'm looking for something that really attacks the root of problems, really attacks the root of, uh, all of the issues that we're dealing with. And I really, I sh like, I really, 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 really think that, um, pursuing spiritual wealth and doing all these things that I'd said previously so many times, um, will that it could get us there. And if it, and if it doesn't get us there, then it'll be the start of something, you know, something that could be revamped, something that could be taken over, something that could be expanded on, can become more interdisciplinary. Um, and I think for myself, that's a, man, that's a pretty life well lived. You know, that's a pretty good profession. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. Con constantly asking questions, trying to figure stuff out. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that was very informative and very um, great to talk about. Um, I just briefly wanted to recap access and how, um, mm -hmm. you know, not everybody has ed access to higher ed. Um, yeah and you're talking about how in higher ed there are uh, you know having being a student you being a former student at Oregon State me still being in Oregon State we have the access to having educational workshops and not every university might have that or um I am not familiarized with businesses but I think a really great way for that to happen is to have these cultural workshops or these awarenesses um uh, high and businesses mm -hmm. to further absolutely help to stigmatize their spaces absolutely yeah um, businesses run the world yeah for yeah. sure for yeah. sure yeah so it's picking back off of what you earlier said is well, the people making the decisions about what diversity empowerment or diversity um, spaces are being brought to these businesses but mm -hmm. Who is the majority, and are the minority voices being heard, or do they have room to have input? Mm -hmm. um, and so, I briefly wanted to touch upon that um, as you were talking about access. Um, mm -hmm. I think I also thought about access and having it be the United States. The United States has a lot of access to education, and that's just in some mm -hmm. countries and um, some. And that's just in some counties or some states because there are some um, cities in the United States that are um, 
needing lots of work yeah yeah due to poverty or mm-hmm. low mm-hmm. sources of mentorship opportunities mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but i want to talk about actors on a large scale and how that might look like for different countries and for example mexico mm-hmm. has access um is there rural country is there rural towns in um mexico that don't have access to any education system or any form of sexual health or any form of sexual mm-hmm. education or any mm-hmm. form of mm-hmm. in general education and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that's also what I want to touch upon um, mm-hmm. and I also want to talk about social media and how social media is being portrayed um, social media isn't real life that's a common yeah. phrase that has been um, seen throughout that I have seen throughout the internet and I just briefly want to recap that that social media is not real life mm-hmm. and I think that it's important to um have people understand that um yeah it's cool to share your um acknowledgments and your and your um and your adventures but you don't see people sharing their challenges or yeah you know like that's not a norm yeah. um i think it'd be cool to have it a norm but you don't see it's not a normality to see people say their challenges like oh etc 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 that's you know like um and so i just want to talk about the social media and how social media is being portrayed and yeah just continuing to tackle these awarenesses and actually create conversations and that looks if that looks like just you yourself advocating for that at your education or your community or Mm -hmm. I don't know that's I'm just that was just me putting my um notes onto what you just said but yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah 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 so um right like I I'm very, <laughs> I, I don't know if I could accurately speak on what access would look like with, within other countries, but I also know that other countries um, uh, have better healthcare systems than the U.S. does, um, that, there, that there is more access, that there are more uh, accurate histories, that there are more world histories taught. Um, and I think that on an individual sense that the, I always encourage people to be curious and, and, and it doesn't mean like you need to know all these things. It's like, no, like be curious, like, like ask questions, figure it out for yourself. Um, and, and figure out what all the different perspectives are. Right. Because a lot of times what we learn or a lot of times what we hear is only like one piece of the story. It's only one narrative or it's the, from the viewpoint of the, the, the colonizer or the winner or whatever it might be. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, I I think that with social media, yeah, social media is hard because it does kind of get us in a routine of, and we do this anyways too, and we probably have been doing it anyways, of just like being like, yep, I'm good. Like nothing's wrong. I figured it all out. And, and I think that that's appropriate, right? I think that that's appropriate because not everyone needs to know your business. And, and a lot of times like uh, – if you feel like you're being um, pushed too hard or you feel like that's just not information that is relevant to them or if you feel that it may be used against you, like, like 
you like you make the decision for yourself because there's so many different contexts in a way in, in ways that um that can be dealt with uh but but outside of social media or even inside of social media like reach out to people ask for ask for help and if you don't like their help you don't have to take it right uh and and if you don't like their advice you can seek other people's advice um, and, and really be attuned to the intentions of what you're asking for and the intentions of the other person, whether it's on a social media platform, whether it's through like a, like, I know that they have those mental health, like, ther like, th like a therapist, like a, like an on-call therapist that you could text or, or send voice memos to. I know that they have, uh, that, that those exist. Um, I can't, I don't have any apps in my mind that specifically come up, but, um, yeah, like not, not like, like it's, it's just a fact, right? Not everything is cupcakes and rainbows all the time. Not everything is uh, big. Like a lot of people put their successes online. I also put my, I'm guilty of that too. I always put my successes online. Um, but I generally in my life try and be pretty honest with people. Um, and I also know that I'm honest with the people that will reciprocate that honesty. I don't necessarily always like to be honest with people that aren't going to reciprocate it because then like, that's weird. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, but it, it just feels like inappropriate or it feels like it's going to be manipulated or I'm going to be misrepresented or, or that information is going to be misused. Um, yeah. But I think that, I think that uh, in particular, what you were talking about with, with government and businesses. Uh, yeah. We get from, from, being right i don't have I, i've never existed in the corporate world so uh, what i'm saying to you is assumptions that i have and so we take it with a grain of salt whatever uh w with whatever uh perspective you might continue to add on to it but but from being a student in the college of business and also uh, being a, a student in sustainability, a lot of the curriculum very much so <laughs> like counteracted each other. Like they didn't really agree all the time. And a lot of times um, I think that within, cause I very much so existed within this like social justice committee. I was a social justice educator, advocate, all these things or stu student lead, student facilitator. Um, they, a lot of times, uh, and, p and for real, like listen to my whole statement as I say this, uh, but don't, don't jump the gun, listen to my whole statement. But I, a lot of times like capitalism is, um, is like the scapegoat. And I think that that is appropriate for, for corrupt capitalism. I do also know that there are a lot of different businesses or a lot of different organizations that pursue corporate social responsibility or pursue socially responsible investing or, or do all these things. Where we're at, I, I, and I'm very much so like, I, I would love to reimagine a system without capitalism, um, one that is equitable, one that is peaceful, um, right now we're just not there yet. And so where I'm at is that I'm, I'm very much so like, we let, let's use what we have. Let's try and be, um, realistic, not saying that those things aren't realistic, but let's try and be realistic and utilize the, the capitalism as a tool that we potentially have. And that um, businesses very much so exploit, uh, or very much so dump toxins or very much so, um, yeah, there, there's like very toxic work environments from, from literally everything, from everything in the supply chain management to like the sourcing of materials, if they're being ethically sourced to the transportation, whether it's producing like a lot of emissions to the, 
to the assembly of it and how, how that's being done, what we expose our workers to, um, to human rights violations, like to everything, to, to OSHA, like to everything. And I know that uh, employees and employers and consumers are the most aware now that they have re really ever been, which is very, very exciting. And um, that we can choose what we participate in with our dollar, right? We can choose what, what we're purchasing um, and, and we can do research on, on that company. And um, right, not all the time, I, I mean, everything exists online now, but not all the time will um, the company or themselves will always present themselves, you know, in the best light, but same as everyone, everyone does that. That's not something new to capitalism. That's not something new to the corporate world. Um, but to really like do your research or, and, and get like testimonies or, or like, like figure out like, okay, like do I actually want to buy um, so-and-so's tennis shoes or do I actually want to buy something that might be considered fast fashion? Do I actually want to buy um, something that has all this packaging, right? It, it depends on you and your lifestyle and, um, and in which ways you want to uh, you like use your influence for good, whether it's like monetary influence by paying for things or whether it's uh, your, your rights, like advocating for your rights, voting is huge. Uh, like doing that, we just had the 2020 census, um, filling out the census, like those things are very, very big. Getting involved in your local, um, your local city council, getting involved in your local school board, excuse me, all of these things are very, very important because we can do things in an environment that we can control, right? And so, um, and, and, it, and it doesn't mean don't, like, like if, you, if, if you feel the need to, for sure, do political initiatives, like do international initiatives, human rights initiatives, women's rights, children's rights, all of these things. I encourage everyone to go as far as they want to, go as far as they can, um, and also know, uh, also like be able to recognize where, where your energy is, like also be able to recognize like where you actually can have like pretty significant influence, where you actually can have like um, aspects of like cultural reclamation or identity or histories and, um, or, or just like political power or, or whatever it may be. But um, yeah, business, like for real, we're at a point now too where businesses need to get the out of politics. You know what I mean? Like we can't really have this anymore. Obviously, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So uh, we just need to be responsible. And, and as constituents, we need to be informed. Um, we need to, <laughs> we need to like, read the news and we need to look at our ballots. We need to vote locally as well as nationally. Um, and that uh, we really can. It seems hard. And it seems like we have so many things stacked against us. But... Um, and this is something specific from like nonviolent movements, but like once we start, when we stop participating in a, in a system that is no longer serving us, then it no longer has really control over us. And a lot of times it does come with costs. Like we've seen that with like the civil rights movement. We've seen that with the BLM movement currently, like in, in uh, specifically with police brutality and the retaliation of that, like in, but, but these things like we're seeing change, like we really are. And so take like, really hold on to those wins. Like that's where we're going. We're working, we're progressing, we're working on it. And um, yeah. And, and just like be, I, I would say like be informed 
uh, enough to a state that it's not going to stress you out constantly because then like then it then that's not moving you in a direction that you may want to go you know um and and check your sources <laughs> utilize credible sources but but yeah like we really do have a lot of people power and i think that people are, are right waking up people are waking up and realizing that and um, it's very, very exciting to see. It's very, very exciting to see all the organizing that's being done by youth, which is phenomenal. Um, and, and yeah, and I think that this is where we're at. I really think that we're, this next decade is gonna be huge uh, as far as like, uh, like civil rights and human rights and equity pay and like a lot, at least for, within the US, I think that this next decade is gonna be really, 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 really big. Um, I think that because of what we've endured since 2016 um, with Trump, they are the constituents of the U.S. will be more aware. Um, I think that uh, we'll be more on top of uh, people that are in positions of power and ensuring that they're uh, ethical, ensuring that they're um, doing their job with with an equity lens, or if not, then replacing them. You know, like like I really think that that. Um, we are in a pivotal time. And I think that it's phenomenal that, the, that this content is put, being pushed out. I think that it's phenomenal that these conversations are being had, that people are waking up, that we're drawing the connections between all of these issues, right? We're drawing connections between a lot of these issues because they all are interconnected. And, I, and really like if we figure out how to dismantle them in whatever way, um, my like the way that I think is through spiritual wealth because that's what I'm all like hyped up on right now. Um, so if we figure out how to not participate in them, if we figure out how to take our power back, like it'll just come crumbling down. And and I think that one of the biggest thing too things too is that it won't come crumbling down and completely be a mess and array and that it's going to be chaos. I think that it'll be cr crumbling down and that people are looking for solutions. I think that we're like, like the, like, um, I'm going to paint a visual. Like it'll be like, um, some type of formation. Maybe it's like sand or something like that. And that there, what we're currently seeing on the surface is what we're dealing with. It's like our, our, what's going on with the police. It's what's going on with our, our prison system. It's going, what's going on with our corporate world. It's what's going on um, with lobbyists in our, in our, and our government and all of these things, like, I really think that when we stop participating in them, these little gates will open at the bottom of the sandbox and all of the sand will come down and then we'll see a new structure. Like we'll see something that hopefully works for a lot of people. And I think that one of the key pieces is that if it doesn't work for people, we need to figure out for one, systems of accountability. And for two, we need to figure out how it could be flexible enough not rigid, everything in the, in the US, or like, I don't know, everything with the like federal government and state government is like very rigid and very slow, but that's um, flexible and is able to be quickly changed and adapted, uh, especially if we're missing people, if we're missing communities. And I think that the excuse uh, that I hear a lot actually from people there, they're in the corporate, or not necessarily people that are in the corporate world, but people that are in the business world or young business professionals is that doing things with the equity lens or, or uh, putting a lot of time or energy into corporate social responsibility, all of these initiatives, ethically sourcing materials, that this is going to cost so much. That it's going to cost so much. And I think that that really requires a, a reorientation of your values. And, it, and it's kind of like a weak argument. Like it's really, it's really not true. Like you can figure out ways, you can expand out your target market. You can figure out ways of doing different types of outreach. You can figure out ways of 
that could be like a PR move for you of like, I ethically source my materials. This is why you should purchase from me, right? Because consumers are being, are becoming more aware and there's businesses that are, that are doing that, which is like very, very exciting to see. And there's also a lot of like young entrepreneurs that are doing that. And if you just look up like social responsibility businesses, like you can like pop up and like find these things. Not all of them are hundred percent perfect, but I think that they're heading in a good direction. Um, yeah, so that's what I think about that. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. I can't recall if I've already talked about this, but let me briefly talk about, on a podcast, but let me briefly talk about you saying that I really wanted to talk about social justice mm-hmm. um, and the power of the people and intersectionality and mm-hmm. um, understanding that we need to understand the bitter truths. Yeah. For example, um, trigger warning if anybody might be um sensitive to terms but um, one could argue that um there's current slavery still occurring in mm-hmm. um in the united states mm-hmm. as we can see with the black communities or poc communities that are doing labor for um for businesses and while being um, imprisoned. And mm-hmm. so one could argue that that's still, um, we didn't combat the, the, we didn't combat slavery because slavery still exists today, just in a different mm-hmm. type of twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think how can we, how can this generation or can this generation further combat these situations and, the different outlets and how inter- I wanted to talk about intersectionality and I I want to restate I can't recall if I already stated this in a podcast but um racist a white person can't say that somebody's being racist to them because racist has power and is already working in a system where white people have already been privileged so a white person can't say oh you're a racist to me because mm. a racist racist is Races can be used from other communities that mm-hmm. um, um, this the United States the United States um, if y'all aren't are foreign is was colonized and furthermore um, I wanted to talk about how intersectionality might help us continue to hold these strong conversations mm-hmm. and understand that um we need to be allies and Mm -hmm. like i said earlier racism is taught but so is fighting for equitable rights so Mm -hmm. yeah just wanted to briefly talk about that and highlight the power of the people and yeah 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 and we're very much so yeah we're very powerful and honestly, like it, it, sometimes it feels like in particular with like all of these movements, like it feels like you need like a lot of people, um, but you don't necessarily need a lot of people, but you do need like, you need to be organized. You need to know what you're actually asking for and you need to know like, um, right, like ha- ha- how to put pressure on people that have decision-making power. Um, there's a lot of things that, that um, are being utilized and that will continue to be utilized. Um, and with, with social justice and with, um, yeah, just issues of inequity in general. Um, 
I, I see it as that we're all kind of like fighting amongst each other while um, the, the people in the top, the people that have decision-making power, the people that have the most access to, to monetary wealth or resources are uh, not really being confronted with these issues, um, which I think is a really, really big issue in general. Um, and yeah, and I think that also one of the things that I uh, don't want us to slip into, uh, particularly within like the social justice movement is, um, right, and, and hold up, like don't, don't like uh, listen to what I'm saying, it, but I think that we, we could easily slip into becoming perpetrators ourselves in becoming, in, in scapegoating white folks or white wealthy folks or even like, like, like just racist, like it, and the, um, and, and the, yeah, like racist, absolutely. If you're doing something shitty, like you should obviously be held accountable and you should obviously be, um, <laughs> you should obviously like have to, have to deal with the consequences of what you're doing and what you're putting out, whether it's like, yeah, hate speech or toxic environments or, physically white supremacy. people white supremacy assaults like right like we saw like all a lot of things have been happening yeah uh, like two warning um uh, mm-hmm. but what as one might call your current today where um fellow people are being um interestingly interestingly being put on trees and mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. if, if y'all are understanding what i'm saying um uh-huh. But understanding that these things are still occurring, these social justice issues are still occurring, and some of these things may be immoral. One could argue that these are immoral, but understanding that, um, um, side note, I can't recall if I've already stated this, but it should be, it shouldn't be the lefties versus the righties. Yeah. And the social justice. Yeah. This is what I, yes, or this politics. is exactly what I mean, too. We need to find common It should ground. be, yeah, it should be lefties and righties fighting yeah. against the social justice or the politic um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. And understanding that the people, people are being mistreated. People yeah, are, absolutely. people are in a system and a people are people are here and then people are here and Mm -hmm. understanding that there are cultures that have highly benefited and that that's not how it should be one culture shouldn't be the majority or be tokenized or be dominant be dominant or Mm -hmm. be the the standard the standard in business in higher ed in etc because just because i i did read this online um so i don't know who what journalists or who to credit but just because somebody doesn't know how to read or write in english doesn't mean that they're knowledgeable in another they might know Mm -hmm. that in even more in their own language or another language Mm -hmm. understanding that english isn't the english isn't this shouldn't be the standard or you shouldn't judge people's um capability of doing something because mm-hmm. they don't speak English. 
Mm-hmm. And that is said with um, more of taking it into consideration and continuing to move with empathy and um, community, but also holding these people accountable. Absolutely. White supremacists that are currently still happening. Mm-hmm. And it is valid for people to feel what they feel. Absolutely. If they want to take it to the streets, that is also valid. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. And I'm, and I'm for sure, like, I am very much so like, do whatever type of activism you, you need to do or want to do. Like, like do whatever type of like a media action you feel called to do. Phenomenal. Do that and be safe. Right. And, um, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Like, like the, like the, the outrage that is happening right now is not unwarranted. The outrage that is happening now is extremely appropriate. And, and I think that is, and it's overdue and, um, where we, we can decide where we go from here, you know, like, um, what, what you were talking about with intersecting identities is that a lot of these issues that we're seeing, a lot of these issues of an equity period are all intersecting and they all operate within the same systems. And a lot of times they all like benefit, like, a lot of a lot of the same people and um i think that if we can recognize that is that my struggle uh is like kind of it may not be exactly the same but it is within the same vein as your struggle as within the same vein as somebody else's within the same vein that are fighting for different issues but we all kind of want the same thing we all want stability we all want to don't want to be under attack anymore we all want security we all want to be able to like live our lives the way that we want to and more, right? People, people could choose whatever it is that they do want. And um, yeah, and we 100% have the right to, we deserve that. Like we, we, we have the right to pursue that. And we have, the, we have the ability and the capacity to create that for ourselves in whichever way that looks like for us, you know? Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think that uh, recognizing the intersection, the intersectionality um, of ourselves as individuals, the intersectionality of these different issues of inequity and how they all play into each other and they all operate within the same system um, is very, very important because we can, we, we can slowly put sand in the grain, it, sand in the gears, you know, like slowly putting sand in the gears, like eventually it's going to stop, you know. Um, it might not be within, unfortunately, right? It might not be within our lifetime. It, we might not be able to see like the fruits of all this labor, but um, it doesn't mean that it's not worth fighting for. It doesn't mean that it's not worth pursuing, you know, and in the uh, looking future, uh, multiple uh, generations down the line, looking at what it could be, imagining what it could be like, is that those are, those are all very, very important things to do uh, to keep us moving. Um, to keep us moving forward and in, in creating the future that we want and that we deserve and that we that we honestly at this point that we're owed. Um, uh, yeah, so that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> uh, thank you for adding that. I think we you've touched a lot of good food for thoughts and a lot of good um, good conversations that we've had. And I think I just want to re restate the quote that I shared to further help underline the theme of I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change I am changing the things I cannot accept mm-hmm. apply that to that quote if you want to apply that for justice like I did but I think that it's important to understand mm-hmm. that 
these kids currently, like you yourself, like you want to advocate to have a social justice club at your school, at your Mm -hmm. elementary school, do it. If you Mm want to advocate to have ethnic studies at your school, do it. Or whatever cultural background you might have, like do it. Like you might not know how to do it, maybe ask the teacher. And these are just ideas I'm throwing out, Mm -hmm. but it's reiterating what you said is having the future generations in mind and having the previous generations that have worked for where we are now continuing that long line of having their wanting hope and more equitable access and yeah I think you briefly um briefly just briefly recapping on that and yeah I think you did a great job of highlighting the emotional intelligence and the just the topics that you wanted to talk about today yeah thank you yeah i mean every everything's connected uh we're all connected um right again and this is not say that i'm not advocating colorblindness that's not at all what i'm advocating for um but but we all are all life forms are connected we are a part of nature nature is a part of us like we are not separated from these systems we are not as separated from each other as we think that we are and and um we all be the same color we all have lungs that were mm-hmm. made to, that's not putting any health um um benefits um or challenges but we all have lungs that were built to work the same we all you know mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. yeah yeah and we really like yeah we're we're waking up and we're figuring out how to access our power and use our voice. And um, this is a very big deal. We're in a very pivotal time. Um, and it's very exciting. It's very exciting to to be a young professional in this time. Um, honestly, like a little bit daunting, a little overwhelming at the same time. But I mean, like I, I, I feel, and I feel, and I see it within other people, within, within other activists, within other professionals, within other people just in general, either in or out of school, uh, even if like, or just in, in other varieties of their life where they're like, yeah, we're, we're done. <laughs> this isn't, it's not working for us anymore. And um, we're ready for something new. We're looking for solutions uh, and we're asking a lot of questions. So, so it's very exciting. Thank you so much for having me, Jasmine. This was lovely. This is my first, pod- first podcast. Actually, uh, this is my first, po- first podcast as a non-student. This is my first, po- first podcast where I'm representing myself, um, which is very, very exciting. And, and yeah, I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much for um, talking on today's podcast. And you are also appreciated. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of US Invisen. And um, thank you.